Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We are your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. And I almost said the name of our podcast wrong. I don't know if you heard that little hesitation. It's been a while since we recorded. My brain just kind of stopped (laughs) mid-sentence. Well, this year has been just god-awful. Mm-hmm. Just, oh my goodness, just got awful. Um, yeah. It can stop anytime. It could. It'd be nice. Uh, so since we are, unfortunately, recording apart from each other and at 7.32 p.m., uh, I do not have a coffee. What? I have the Brew Doctor Superberry Kombucha. Okay. With raspberry, blueberry, and goji berry. Is it like strongly raspberry flavored? Because that is genuinely one of my least favorite tastes on the planet. You would not enjoy this. Okay, good to know. Yeah. It's tasty. It's not the one I ordered, but <laughs> such is life. Yeah, uh, I ordered seltzer water and Kroger gave me uh, soda, like cool. Coca-Cola. And I was like, I don't I don't keep these in my house because if left unsupervised, I will drink a 12-pack in two days. Oh, my goodness. Good times. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I do uh, want to mention I went to Quill's this afternoon oh? and tried one of their new summer drinks. Mm-hmm. It's called the Palmton. It's espresso, pomegranate juice, uh, an orange slice that's been juiced in, and seltzer. Okay. It was really, really good. Nice. I I don't have anything that fancy. I have a cool drink, though. I keep seeing ads for Olipop. And never let it be said that I am not um, influenceable. Let me know how it is because I'm about uh, to take my first ever sip live on camera for you, live audio for not live audio, recorded audio later for everybody else. <laughs> but yeah, it's sold. Let me be a parent stereotype for a second. It's sold at the play cafe that I take my child to. Um, and I, I haven't this at Target. gotten it. It's cherry cola flavored, and apparently it has probiotics. Um, and I want you to know, after my last probiotic tea drink, mm-hmm. uh, friend of mine and listener of the show, Avery, reported back to me on whether or not the little bacterial buddies could actually survive the uh, the dunking and boiling water. The answer is probably not. I didn't think so. Oh. Super good. Nifty. It's a little bit more forward on the cherry flavor than I was expecting, but it's not that like weird artificial medicinal cherry flavor that you get sometimes. So that's good to know. I don't hate this. And it's not as bad for me as the 12 pack of colas sitting in the trunk of my car. Oh, good times. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we have talked about our decidedly not coffee beverages, 
um, though I tried and I will be attempting to recreate that uh, coffee drink from Quills. I, I want I want to try that. Can you invite me over when you make that? I'll just do it at a game day. Okay. See, easy peasy. Yay. All right, so what is our card draw? Uh, okay, I am drawing again from The Murder of Crow's Tarot. Again, I did actually factually sh shuffle. The word is shuffle. I am so good at speaking English words today. I'm sorry, Corinne. Do you think we need to know how to speak? We're just doing a podcast. It's all fake. It's all fake. <laughs> and I drew the Knight of Wands. Okay. I don't know if you can see it because I think my camera froze. Your camera did, in fact, freeze. Um, I cannot see it. I take your word for it. It. Yeah. None of us can see it. I am getting the experience that our listeners get right Exciting. now. I can see how it froze on me and I look like a moron. So that's great. <laughs> you do not look like a moron. Uh, anyway, this is... Uh, Inspiring people to to look beyond their comfort zone and seek that joy of discovery, which is a really heartening message as we go into the second half of what has been a really crap year. Yeah, like, yeah, not to not to bring things down, but if I never have to go to another funeral, I will be yeah. so happy. Yeah. But no, I was like, okay, I like this card. Thank you, Murder of Crow's Tarot deck, for being nice to me for once. And not I told you it's a nice deck. This is the first time I bought this deck a year ago. This is the first time it's been nice to me in more than 365 days. Well, maybe you shouldn't piss it off, Corinne. I have just one of the I have one of those faces. I just piss people off. <laughs> yes. That sounds accurate. Anyway, uh, so Amanda, as we voyage into this journey of discovery and joy, uh, what's our topic? All right. Uh, so our topic this week is metals slash metalworking in folklore. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, at first, when I was doing my research for this, I thought it was going to be a really disjointed like just little bits here and there thing and then i stumbled across the story of the yokum silver dollar and the lost silver mine oh okay and i don't know how i had never heard of this before but this story makes me so happy uh my sources today are a missouri encyclopedia dot or are eh, i can talk Let's cut that sentence out or not. I've infected I don't care. you. Uh, my sources today are MissouriEncyclopedia.org, an article titled Yoakum Silver Dollar Fact or Fiction on Library.org, the Yoakum Dollar page on StateOfTheOzarks.net, and a wonderfully thorough, very well researched, very well cited post on the subreddit slash r slash non-murder mysteries put together by user timmy l uh, 0022 Ooh, is that one still accessible because i know reddit has been 
having yes. some. Yes. Yes. I checked that one today. Uh, and I, if they were ever closed, um, they're open back up. Okay. And I don't believe that they're one of the subreddits that has decided to flood everything with not safe for work, all the things so that Reddit can't monetize them. Uh, gotcha. I, yeah, I wasn't which, sure. So I was like, I will ask because we might need to direct people to the Wayback Machine or something. Yeah. So as of today, we could still get to it. Um, we uh, will... Today is the 20th of June because we have yes. been great at buffering our episodes. Haven't we, though? Again, <laughs> this year has sucked. If I never have to go to another family member's funeral, it will be too soon. I understand really well. All right. Anyway, so, let's do this. Let's do it. Uh, to set the scene, the War of 1812 had just ended. Oh, my God. Is now when the dog has to bark? Really? You, you literally cannot hear it. You are well, that's fine. That's good. Because I can hear it through my noise-canceling headphones. Okay, well, your mic anyway. is uh, cutting it out. Or Google is doing a really great job of filtering sounds. I don't the hell know. I think it's the mic. I have it set so that Op and I can take meetings at the same time in this room. Nice. So to set the scene, the War of 1812 just ended. And the brothers of the Yoakum family, Y-O-C-U-M, decide to settle in... White River Valley and the Missouri Ozarks in the hopes of a better life. They set up a trading post. Uh, they quickly become friends with the local native community. Uh, some say it was the Delaware tribe. Some say it was the Chickasaw Nation. It varies uh, based on who's telling the story. Both nations were in the area at the time. Okay. Now, because of this friendship, uh, the native peoples in question divulge the location of a secret silver mine on Bread Tray Mountain. Like you do. Yeah, I definitely would just tell colonizers where to find the really nice shit. Right? Right. What could go wrong? Uh, so before we move on to what the Yoakum brothers then decide to do, let's rewind a bit to the story surrounding the history of the mine that for sure totally exists, definitely, uh-huh. Uh-huh. One story says that a group of Spanish colonizers traveled north and found the mine in the late 1500s before being chased away by the local native peoples. Okay. Another states that the Chickasaw Nation discovered the mine and used the silver within when trading with the English and European settlers. Okay. Either way, weird to me that the location would be shared just for funsies. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I've also never had a silver mine. So who's to say what I would or wouldn't do? I found um, panning for gold as a kid. I I have as well. I've gone to the the fun gemstone sift things. Oh, I was on a river in Colorado. And they just oh no, yeah. I was not that cool. I'm talking about the just no, you're talking about the really systems. awesome <laughs> things that are great. I just had family yeah. in Colorado when I was a kid, so right spoiled. So the Yokum brothers decided to take advantage of the mine and start minting their own silver coins, the Yokum silver dollar. Great, great. I, I cannot see any possible reasons why that would be a bad idea. 
right? And also, now you all know why Branson, Missouri is called the Silver Dollar City. I didn't know it was called that in the first place. I did. We drove uh, through it on our way to a wedding last year. And I was like, that is a really weird name for a city. And then never looked into it further because... I don't know. I'm probably the first person to die in a horror movie. That's that's just what <laughs> you all and me signs both. point to. You and me both. So the coins that they minted had the phrase Yoakum Dollar stamped on them. And they were made of a higher silver percentage than what the U.S. was putting out. Uh, some stories say that they were completely silver. Some say it was just a much higher percentage of silver. Okay. Uh and the coins became widely accepted at various trade posts in the area. Well, yeah, if it's worth more than the official, supposedly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in 1821, Missouri becomes the 24th state. Someone uses their Yoakum dollars or attempts to use their Yoakum dollars to pay their fees to legitimize their homestead at the new land office in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. Uh, the agent there is like, uh, nope, 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 nope. Gee, that I wonder why. legal tender. And sent the dollar back to uh, Washington to his superiors. Okay. The coins were determined, as I said, to be a higher silver percentage and, quote, the government assigned a federal agent to go and find and close down the mine. Um, I I put the government in quotes because in no story that I could see did any branch, any department, anything. (laughs) No, we we don't know who said it. Uh, We can assume treasury, but like. Who knows? Certainly not us. So the dutiful agent went down and could not find the mine. Cal surprise. In fact, to this day, there has been no evidence of the mine. Okay. What happened? Uh, You know, some stories say that it caved in with the Yoakum brothers inside. Cheerful. Some say the brothers hid the entrance. And some say the brothers built a cabin in front of the entrance and continued mining. Good for them. That's very American. Right? Really industrious. So, again, I love this story. I love it so much. That's wild. Oh. As you might imagine, uh, there is zero evidence that any of this ever happened. Of course. Missouri has mines. That is true. Uh, Most of them are limestone mines. Cool. Makes sense. Despite mining in the United States having virtually zero regulations until the 1970s. Shocker, I say, in Kentuckian. Not one person in recorded history has found a primary silver deposit in the entire state of Missouri. All right. Um, so in the face of that fact, some people have come out that no, 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 no. It was never a mine. It was a stash of silver artifacts left by the Spanish explorers. Oh, really? 
And while there were Spanish settlements in what is now Missouri, that is true. Mm -hmm. um, none of them were close to the alleged mine location. Cool. Literally none of them. Cool, cool, cool. Furthermore, zero evidence of any sort of treasure trove has shown up in the over 6,000 known caves in the state. That's a lot of caves. It is, but I'm also from Kentucky, so like, is it? We just have, we just have the one real big one. I mean, not Look, just we, the one. But. We thought it that system was multiple systems for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I personally like to subscribe to the theory that all caves connect to Mammoth Cave. All roads lead to Rome. All caves connect to Mammoth Cave. I mean, I like that theory, but also it kind of terrifies me. I'm not gonna lie. I love it because it makes me never want to sleep again. This is the, A, why we're friends. <laughs> and B, explains so much about our different personalities. Great. Because I also um, no longer want to sleep, but it's because I hate it. <laughs> so to make the story a little more interesting, and this is where I personally believe that, you know, kind of the, the kernels of the story start. There was a large influx of silver in the region around this time hmm. in the form of annuities to native peoples paid by the government in the form of silver coin. Okay. Not only that, in 1825, the federally appointed agent for the local tribes, John Campbell, stated that a Solomon Yoakum started a peach brandy distillery and he was selling that brandy in very large quantities to uh, the Delaware tribe. Interesting. And some historians have stated that it's very possible, if not probable, that the Yoakum family used their alcohol production as a money laundering front for various illicit deals in the region. Now, that's very American. Here for that. <laughs> right? Which could explain the reputation for the Yoakums taking silver and making it into something else. Yeah. Okay. Um, but again, there's, there's no way that the Yoakum family, it, it doesn't make any sense that mm -hmm. they would, A, get in trouble for that because it turns out that in U.S. law, it is not illegal if you own a silver mine to mint your own currency as long as you don't try to pass it off as United States currency. Okay. The only stipulation against minting your own currency is you're not allowed to melt down U.S. currency in order to get the raw materials. Wild. Okay. So clearly a silver coin that came from somebody's personal silver mine that had Yoakum dollar printed on it wouldn't have actually been illegal. Huh. Amanda, I have a wild new side hustle for us. <laughs> I'm sorry, Corinne. Where have you been hiding your precious stone? <laughs> in the basement 
It's uh, in the creepy no. Jesus cellar. That's Corinne. Yes. You don't have a mine. You have another carbon monoxide leak. <laughs> We've talked about this. <laughs> um, and, you know, despite what I've mentioned here, several people throughout history, um, you know, just all throughout the early 1900s claimed to be in possession of a Yoakum silver dollar, though no one has been able to produce the coin for verification. Okay. Um, including the living descendants of the Yoakum family. Yeah, you think they would have kept a couple of those around. You'd think, you'd think if you're going to claim that you have it or that, you know, grandpa had it, you might have a picture, something. Hell, we still have Confederate dollars from my however many great grandfather who was in the Confederate army. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. They were at my grandma's house. I don't know who has them now. Hmm. Probably my uncle. That sounds right. That was not a slight at, towards your uncle. Oh, well, if my uncle Chuck were still alive, they would have absolutely gone to him because he was an absolute nut about the Civil War. So. Uh, but yeah, that's my segment. I had never Dude, heard about that before. That's cool. And I thought it was really cool. That's super cool. I, um, Amanda, my, my research as is perhaps typical of me these days went on a journey uh-huh um so you and our listeners might remember in our episode on where animals i talked about the where hyenas in ethiopia and in a few other east african countries yes and one of the articles that i referenced there was ethiopian evil eye belief and the magical symbolism of ironworking so uh-huh. clearly i needed to go back to that uh, Obviously. A, in the 2003 paper, Niall Finneran talks extensively about the superstitions that metal workers. Ah, there's a pop up in front of my notes. Stop it. No. Curse you, technology. So rude. Anyway, uh, he talked extensively about the superstitions that metal workers and other artisans face as members of a landless social class where power is often defined by ownership of land and herd animals. So one of those superstitions was defined as the metal workers and other artisan artisans who are also referred to as Buddha, B-U-D-A, were okay. capable of casting the evil eye on others. And as such, were often given a wide berth. Makes sense. And as it turns out, medical, metal, medical workers, metal workers <laughs> are often associated with higher powers, both divine and infernal. Folklore Thursday has an article from 2017 titled Folkore, Iron Lore, The Magical Power of Blacksmiths and Their Enduring Stories that points out as well in Africa that blacksmiths are often reviled in Kenya, but in Nigeria, they're in a social category more akin to priests and healers. Interesting. So there's a lot of dichotomy of if you are a metal worker, you clearly made some sort of deal with some divine power to have your skills and whether that is some malevolent force or not is kind of up in the air. Uh, And one possible reason for this, which at least as it is present in rituals recorded across various sub-Saharan African cultures 
is a connection between smelting iron, blacksmithing, and procreation. I'm sorry. You are making something new. You are forging something new. This is the only act of creation that men can take part of. So in both Niall Finneran's article and in a review written by Peter A. Rogers of Eugenia Herbert's Iron, Gender, and Power that I found on hnet.org, the authors frequently mentioned rituals associated with marriage and fertility being incorporated into how smelters and blacksmiths prepare for their work. Um, There was one, and I don't have this in my notes, so I can't tell you exactly which group it is. Essentially, when a blacksmith is working on a project, he is abstinent because he is married to the forge. Oh, interesting. Like he, You can't cheat on that. It's really cool. But beyond this, I had trouble finding really good quality sources about metalworking superstitions on the African continent. So I took a two-pronged approach. Uh, my okay. first, as is usual, I went to Wikipedia. You know, it is a good place to launch from. It's a good jumping off place. Um, So I, again, I was struggling with finding more information on ritual in the African continent, which is a pity because it was, what I read was fascinating. But there we are. So I was like, okay, fine. Going back to the Greeks. Gonna read up on my boy Hephaestus. And if you are unfamiliar with Hephaestus, he is the god of blacksmiths, fire, volcanoes, and craftsmanship, among other things. Also, he is canonically disabled, which we are going to come back to in a second. So, as a divine blacksmith, Hephaestus made most of the famous weaponry in Greek legends, working hard at his forge. And, due to his disabilities, he's also said to have created basically like automatons that both helped him out and served as mobility aids. Interesting. Yeah, that was one I wasn't familiar with. Apparently Homer talks about it some. Uh, Hephaestus's parentage is somewhat disputed in different stories. Sometimes he is both a child, or the child of both Zeus and Hera. And sometimes he's just Hera's child as a parthenogenic birth. Oh, I didn't know that. For some yeah. reason, I thought it was going to be. And sometimes he's just Zeus's child because no, it's Hera it got Hera got a baby on her own for once. Uh, and it is believed in those stories that he's kind of born as a revenge for Zeus having Athena without any extra help. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that sounds accurate to right? that particular marital relationship. Hmm. Uh, And as a side note, Hephaestus and Athena are usually allies with one another, which I find very refreshing given the state of all the sibling rivalries in Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, And in these same stories, how Hephaestus is disabled largely depends on whether or not Zeus is the baby daddy. Um, In some stories, especially when Zeus is his father, he was born disabled. So... Hera yeets him off Mount Olympus because he's not perfect. You know, oh. Hera's really trying to win Mom of the Year. Yeah. Working real hard on that. Uh, in other stories, though, Zeus is accosting Hera on the whole, like, you had a baby without me thing. 
So Hephaestus steps in to protect his mother. And then Zeus eats him off of Mount Olympus and he's disabled due to injuries from the fall. Poor buddy just cannot catch a break no matter what myth. He cannot. Uh, however, it's also believed, though uh, Wikipedia did not cite any good mythology scholarship to support this, which, boo, that the reason, or part of the reason anyway, that Hephaestus is dis depicted as disabled is because many Bronze Age metal workers ended up disabled themselves. As is reported in the British Journal of Industrial Medicines, possible toxic metal exposure of prehistoric bronze workers. When working with bronze, metal workers would add arsenic, lead, and mercury to the bronze oh, to create boy. stronger material. What do those things have in common? Uh, they're not great for humans. They are highly toxic. Yeah. And can cause things like paralysis. And our boy Hephaestus couldn't walk well. That's why he had his mobility aids. That um, makes a lot of sense. Right? But this mention of the Bronze Age brings me to my final bit of this extremely meandering segment. Oh my goodness, you were not kidding the other day when you texted me and said, we're going on a journey. I, yes, yes. I, as I put this together, I was like, hmm, this didn't go where I thought it went. And I <laughs> bet you can't guess where we're going next. So, in that same Folklore Thursday article that I mentioned earlier, I saw a very tantalizing mention of the oldest known fairy tale. Uh-huh. And it's hyperlinked. I click on it. That takes me to a Tor.com article from 2016, which summarized, and in an extremely understandable way, a paper published in the Royal Society of Open Science, um, in which authors Sara Grassa da Silva and Jamshid J. Tarani, I can talk, wrote in a paper called Comparative Phylogenetic Analyses Uncover the Ancient Roots of Indo-European Folktales. And this is a highly technical article. I had to do a lot of vocab lookup. Uh, but it's an analysis of how they traced the spread of fairy tales through time, geography, and culture. Uh, again, super difficult for me to work, work through because I just don't have that academic background. Right. Um, but again, Tor's article, is this one is this one of mankind's oldest fairy tales, is much more accessible. So, a lot of words to say that Da Silva and Tarani's research points to a very specific fairy tale that dates back to the Bronze Age. And that fairy tale is known today as The Blacksmith and the Devil. I don't think I know that one. It's not one I was familiar with e either. Um, brief summary, and I will make sure that I have a link to a version of the story in my notes uh the blacksmith is approached by the devil who makes a deal with him he's you know gonna win the blacksmith's soul like he do like where he uh the blacksmith can weld anything onto anything else kind of like uh link in the new legend of zelda game <laughs> and the blacksmith being rather cleverer than the average bear uh welds the devil to something i don't remember what 
and is basically like, yeah, I'm not going to free you until you promise you're not stealing my soul. Smart. Right? Awesome, yeah. But smart. Yeah, metalworking. Uh, We have been telling stories and creating ritual around it for a long-ass time. And that's that's my research. That was fun. I liked the way everything ended up, other than, well, yeah, kind of everything ended up interconnecting with one another, which was really cool for me. Yeah. But after I looked up the word phylogenetic, because I didn't know that word, it turns out I actually did know what they were talking about. I just didn't know that was what it was called. And it's like there's maps of different, like, in biology, it's like species and how they yes. they separate along common ancestors. Mm-hmm. And now I keep seeing that word. That's a weird word to keep seeing. I have a friend who's studying evolutionary biology. Mm-hmm. And I hang out in the weird parts of Tumblr. So... I just love that we have a podcast where you regularly admit to still being on Tumblr. Listen. Listen. I have to have my vices, okay? <laughs> it's fine. Well, this was, I think, I mean, I always feel like, oh, no, we did a really short episode, and then you tell me the time, and I'm like, oh. Nope, this we're This is going to net us in the solid 30 minutes range, so I'm not concerned. Yeah. Sorry, folks. You got 30 minutes of us. <laughs> Hope you Sorry. enjoy it. I hope you had fun. Um, we certainly did, but sometimes I feel like it's at your expense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this was a great topic. I'm pretty sure this is one of the topics that you suggested. Um, yes, it's it's because of that stupid Ethiopian evil eye belief article. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad you did though cuz I had a lot of fun. It was super super great. I loved your story. I am going to have to look <laughs> that up myself cuz that's super cool. Yeah, it was a blast. Um well, all right everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for being patient with us. When it comes to new episodes coming out uh, this year, I know we've missed a couple. Um, just, again, this year has kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, it, it started off on the wrong foot, too, because that second week of January just snuck up on us. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how linear time works anymore. Does it work anymore? Did it ever? I spent all of eighth grade thinking it was a Tuesday. Oh, I can't tell if that's better or worse than me spending all of sophomore year with someone who I thought was one of my best friends always addressing me as, hey, you, because she had completely forgotten my name over the summer. <laughs> oh, God, what's wrong with us? Besides the obvious. <laughs> well, thank you guys again. Um, Sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares, everyone. Good night. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Sean and McGuire. Copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram 
at Graveyard Coffee Talk Pod or on Twitter at Talk Graveyard. About two years later, the storm is starting. They say she's at the